It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for film sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosi. It's such a fine line between stupid and clever, yes. Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosi. film lovers welcome to film sociology a film talk show here on wfyi hd to the point and wfyi.org if you have a question or a comment you can email me at msoci at wfyi.org also on facebook also on twitter at matthew soci the show is available as a podcast it's also available on itunes and we have a blog which we can update someday at filmsociology.tumblr.com we're going to go we're going to break format we're going to go right into a chat i did with writer director rick harper who's made the documentary room full of spoons which is a documentary about the film the room and its impact on cinema today so ladies and gentlemen here is my chat with rick harper Joining me on Film Sociology is a man who peeked behind the curtain, and it's a documentary called Room Full of Spoons. Of course, as you know, Film Sociology is your home for uh, Tommy Wiseau information. But Rick Harper is here. T- Rick, how you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm really good. Thanks a lot for having me, Matt. Um, I would say, tell us about your first experience of watching the film The Room. Uh, the first time I watched The Room, I actually uh, watched it at home. I was uh, with my wife, and I sat her down and said, all right, we're going to watch the worst movie ever made. So we pressed play, and I guess my initial thoughts were, this really can't be that bad, because the opening montage of San Francisco is so well shot and edited, and then you have the beautiful score by Mladen Lechevik, and everything seemed fine. I'm like, how bad can this thing really be? And then Tommy walks through the door, Hi, or babe. character Johnny, and says, hi, babe, yeah. and everything changed from that moment on. <laughs> I believe there's a quote in your film that, that I, I can't remember who said it, but the uh, yeah the quote accidental good instincts came in the play at times. Yeah, yeah, that was a, a quote. I, I I was quoting Sandy Shaclair actually when I said that. I thought it was a, a really interesting way of of um, you know uh, qualifying Tommy's success. I was a couple of weeks ago. I was watching uh, the film version of Valley of the Dolls, and they were talking about the definition of camp of something that's played for seri- played seriously, but it winds up becoming unintentionally funny. And uh, the the room fits that, and then some. It sure does. Yeah, I would say. Um, so, how many times did you watch? I'm gonna say, when was it when you finally got to see it with an audience? Uh, it was just the next, like probably a few weeks after I saw it on uh, on DVD. I knew that, uh, you know, I, I did a little research on it, and I knew that uh, people were throwing spoons, and there was call-out lines at the theater, and it was like a big party. So it plays at uh, my local theater here, my local art house theater called the Mayfair. So only a couple weeks later, I went to see it, and uh, it was like, what an experience. It was so much different. Like, of course, it's fun to watch it at home. Watching it in theaters is just a completely different experience. It's it's not even like a movie. It's more like an event. Every time you go see it, it's different. You know, people uh, shout things at the screen. 
they throw spoons, they dress up like characters. It's just uh, just a huge party. I see. Did your wife make it through the whole film? She did. She did. She's not uh, quite as big a geek as I am, but uh, yeah, she actually sat through it with me. Uh, she even came to the Mayfair with me a couple of times, and you know, because of my, I guess you could call call it an obsession with the movie, she sort of got into the whole cult phenomenon of it as well. You're a lucky man. Mine mine lasted 30 minutes, <laughs> and and she got up and left. And my daughter, my daughter watched it, but she had to cover her eyes during the four love scenes, which takes up about a third of the film. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. It's not exactly a. Uh, a PG movie, but uh, you know what? I don't blame your wife. It's uh, it's for a special type of person. Yeah, the room isn't necessarily for everyone. No, she pats she pats me on the head regularly about that. So <laughs> I was about to say because I remember I think it was the Onions AV Club. They talked about the day the day midnight movies died was when uh, Rocky Horror was available on home video. The fact that you could watch anything at any at any time, and I think the room I think they said the room single handedly helped bring back the midnight movies because since then there have been films like uh, Miami Connection and Troll Two that and Roar were where you have that midnight communal experience and and uh, you know I think the I think single-handedly the room has been that champion. Yeah, I would totally agree with you because uh I mean, I'm um you know, I was a little bit young when Rocky Horror came out and stuff like that, so I never really got to experience that, but I would hear my uncles and my dad talk about Rocky Horror and going people dressing up and it's not something that uh, it was always something that I was kind of fascinated with but never got to experience until The Room came out. And it was this whole new generation of people going to midnight movies and dressing up and the call-out lines and, and really having a lot of fun with it. And then, of course, movies like uh, you know Samurai Cop and Birdemic and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, started uh, resurfacing, and, and it just sort of revived that whole cult experience. So how long did it take before you started to, uh, started to do uh, pre- preparation to make the documentary? About a year from the first time that, I'd, uh, that I saw it. You know, I was going to see it every single month uh, at the Mayfair, and probably after about a year, the owner of the, the Mayfair, you know, he always does a little introduction, and uh, he said, you know, I'm thinking of bringing Tommy uh, Wiseau to Ottawa. He's doing a tour. What do you guys think of that? So right after that, I went to see him, and I said, hey, I said, uh, you know, I really want to sponsor the event. At the time, I just really wanted to become a filmmaker, and the owner of the Mayfair, he's a filmmaker himself, so I wanted to sort of get into his circle, and then I figured if I sponsor this event, I get to meet up, I, I get to meet with him, and I get to meet Tommy Wiseau, so it was just really good math to me. So uh, we did that, and I got to meet Tommy, and immediately uh, I knew I had to do something with him. You know, I figured this is my opportunity to sort of hang out with somebody who I really admire and I think is really cool, and pursue my dream of becoming a filmmaker so i pitched the idea of doing a documentary and uh he was receptive right away initially yeah 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 he uh thought it was a great idea he's like yeah we can do it under wizzle films and uh have a red cam and uh why don't you guys come next month uh have a big event at the zigfeld in uh, new york city and you'll have a groovy time and you have groovy time (laughs) yeah that's right so, uh, you know, I was really excited. I'm like, oh, wow, like my, my dream of becoming a filmmaker is coming true. And, uh, you know, Tommy invited me to New York. So, you know, I assembled a crew and, um, and you know, hired a few assistants and went to New York and, and started shooting the documentary then. 
Well, when I talked with Tommy about this, which which you can hear a little later on in the show, was I mean, from a filmmaking standpoint, it's hard to make a movie. It is hard. I mean, there there have been thousands of movies that have been attempted and not finished. So the fact that he was able to have a complete product, that's something to be said. That's something that's that's something that not everybody can do. And, uh, you know, so at the very least, there is that achievement. It's just nobody nobody quite expected what we were getting with with his finished film. Right. Um, so how would say how many times do you think you saw it before you got to meet Tommy? You said you saw it, we were seeing it almost every week, uh, almost every month. So almost I would say at okay. least a dozen times. OK. And I mean, once you really get into it, you're not just watching it in theaters. You're watching clips on YouTube and the memes. So I was really I, I was living the room for about a year until uh until i actually got to meet him you know mm-hmm. and yeah i mean it's and, and a lot of people think that you know meeting tommy is funny and his movie's funny and it's it's ridiculous and there's bad things but absolutely there is something to uh admire there because you know he was a first-time filmmaker uh clearly didn't know what he was doing but no no real first-time filmmakers do you know mm-hmm. and uh just like you said a lot of people don't even finish their films or they just talk about it or you know they might have a script that they started or there's all types of obstacles of course money being one and uh he was able to fight through all that and the result wasn't necessarily what he intended it to be but it is it's definitely admirable that he was able to finish it and and uh and, and turn it into such a success now i don't want to give away too much with your documentary but one of the, was it your intent from the get go to try to i use the term peek behind the curtain when it comes to Tommy Wiseau as a person? Not necessarily, no. Now, of course, there's a, a lot happened after that trip to New York. Uh, things sort of went awry with Tommy. Uh, he wanted to take the documentary in a different direction. Now, you know, while I respect that, and in retrospect, it, it makes sense to me, but he just wanted to make basically an hour and a half long promotion for the room. Right. Which essentially is what a documentary is. You know, like you are promoting the movie, you're telling people that that this movie exists and why it's so special and why it's so, you know, adored. But uh, as soon as I started interviewing certain people that he didn't want me to talk to uh, and stuff like that, he backed away and just basically said that he didn't want to take part in it anymore. It was a bit discouraging initially, but then, uh, you know, like I said, in, in retrospect, it's a good thing because when you're it would create a real bias if you have, you know, the, if the person you're documenting is a producer on the project. Mm-hmm. So once Tommy bowed out of the project, I decided to take it in a bit of a different direction. Uh, we interviewed all of the cast, most of the crew, a lot of people who just worked on the room peripherally or have other projects that are related to it. And then also, uh, then we decided to, you know what, there's a lot of mystery around who Tommy is. So we started doing a little bit of research to find out to answer some of the questions that fans have been debating over for the past, uh, you know, 13 years now. Who were the people he didn't want you to talk to? Um, early on, I remember a conversation. It was the day before I was leaving to uh, to my first time going to L.A., and uh, he told me, he said, I'm not against your project, but he said, don't interview Sandy Chaclair or the blonde guy with the glasses. So I later found out that the blonde guy with the glasses was Michael Rousselet, who's a great guy, and I don't really know why he didn't want me to interview him. Uh, Michael Rousselet is the person who more or less discovered the room. He was one of the original fans. He was the one who uh. brought a lot of people to come see it and made it what it is today. you know. But uh, And then Sandy Chaclair is someone who he had a very public feud with. You know, Sandy claims that he was the real director of the room and uh, and not Tommy. And uh, we touch on that in the documentary as well. Yep. 
Um, and then, of course, you know, I, I did interview or I reached out to a lot of uh, Tommy's family members, and uh, he didn't like that too much either. But, you know, he was no longer at that point involved in the movie and didn't really have a whole lot of say in the direction I was taking it in. So I think that I dealt with that in a very mature and respectful way. But there are certain things in the movie that uh, that he didn't want me to to reveal, and certain people he didn't want me to talk to, and stuff like that. Here, yeah, the interviews with Sandy reminded me of William Goldman's claiming that he wrote Goodwill Hunting, and, and it's like there's there is now a parallel between the room and Goodwill Hunting. That's an interesting parallel because there's a, certainly a difference in quality between the two. But um, but yeah, no, Sandy's he's, he's very passionate. I mean, if you you can look up Sandy Shaclair's IMDb, he's a very very accomplished filmmaker. So it's interesting in itself that somebody who's so accomplished and has worked with literally everyone in Hollywood would want to take credit for something that's considered to be the worst movie ever made. So in itself, that that makes made for a really interesting interview. But uh, but there you have it. You know, he he claims that he directed it. And, uh, you know, that he set up every shot, told the actors what to do, and that Tommy did nothing on set except uh, act, really. And, and yell things like, don't touch the dialogue, it's genius. Yeah, and stuff like that, too. He's when he was trying to change some of the words to, to uh, you know, to uh, translate a little bit better on, onto, uh, on screen, you know, that he would say, oh, don't touch the dialogue, it's, it's genius, it's meant to be this way, and stuff like that. So... He makes fun of the movie a lot and, and basically claims that while making it, he just thought, you know, no one's ever going to see this, so I'm just going to have fun, and that he sabotaged the movie. How much of that is true is really up for the viewer to decide. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you obviously talked to a lot of the cast and the crew, and and I think of the interviews with uh, with Juliet, who is an extremely patient human being, uh, and I know she talked about how it was it was you know it was a job at first kind of horrifying afterwards seeing the finished result and then enough time has passed that she was able to embrace it was that the general consensus with most of the cast and crew i think so you know everyone was really open about participating in this i didn't really have to convince anyone to take part of it to take part in it sorry um no one was you know really hiding from their quote-unquote fame that they got from being in the room you know everyone just sort of really has fun with it i think that um while we make fun of the movie we as in the fans while we make fun of the movie there's something really genuine about it and i think that the a lot of the actors and the people who took part in the movie know that we genuinely like them like they you know we we go see them but it's not we, we don't make fun of them as a person or as an actor we're just making fun of this silly project that they were in you know, 12, 13 years ago. So, you know, while for Juliet especially, because, you know, she spends half the movie naked, and she's one of the actresses who really, you know, took it seriously uh, while making it. So she really thought she was making a good movie and that this was going to be her, this was really going to kick off her career as an actress and stuff like that. So, of course, initially she was really hurt, and, and she says, you know, during one of the interviews how she wanted to dig a hole 10 feet deep and just hide until this whole thing blew over. But I think, uh, you know, I, I think once she realized that this isn't going away, she, she might as well just embrace it and just accept, you know, the, the fame that she did get and and uh, whatever comes with it. And I think she realizes now that the fans really do love her. And that was an important goal of mine early on because at some of the screenings, people yell really mean things about her. 
not so much anymore, but earlier on, people would, you know, say very shaming things about the way that she looked and, you know, stuff like that. So it was an uh, important goal of mine early on to really humanize her and show the fans, like, look, this is who Juliette Danielle really is. And, uh, and I feel I was successful in doing that. She's an absolute sweetheart, and she came across that way in the movie. Mm, yeah, again, once again, a really, really good sport, especially you know, her telling the story of watching it for the first time and realizing what, what stayed on film. I mean, that's, that's, that's extremely harsh. So um, a couple other connections. We were talking about parallels of other films, and, and I remember in, in some of the ad campaigns that there was somebody had, had name-dropped Tennessee Williams and the fact that, he actually, that Tommy actually told the composer that he was trying to make a streetcar named Desire, or at least his version of it. Right, right. As far as as far as making a, a and I, I I use the term melodrama, I guess in the traditional sense, not in the in the critical sense. And then another one I know he he brought up was was trying to make uh, his own version of a Rebel Without a Cause. That's I think where the famous catchphrase is yeah, is based yeah, upon. Yeah. Uh, but he but he but he really wanted to make a, a high drama for, of a feel from the nineteen fifties. Yeah, that's the that's the impression that that. Uh... At least he gave, you know, Mladen Milicevic, the, the composer, and, uh, and a lot of um, how he would, I guess, direct the actors. You know, tell them, like, you need to, to have passion and it has to be dramatic. And, you know, Greg Sestero was even quoted as saying that, uh, you know, that he said that he was going to make a movie so dramatic that people weren't going to sleep for two weeks after seeing it. And, um, and you know, and, and stuff like that. And while you can see the passion in some of his acting, I mean, some of the scenes where he, he, you can tell he's trying to be really emotional and that this is, uh, you know, more than likely a very personal story to him, it just doesn't come across that way because, um, you know, the, I mean, I guess the quality of his acting and a lot of the directing and the story itself is, is kind of flawed and there's just so many things wrong with it that it's really it's hard to take seriously. Had it starred an entirely different cast, had it been directed by a different person, maybe he could have got those emotions across. Um, I think that's a reason that we love, why we love it so much, because we can see the effort on camera. Like we know there's something real there, but it just it, he just doesn't succeed in telling that story, uh, no, as dramatically as he wanted to. Can can you pinpoint when Tommy publicly decided to? Now, what is now has become his mantra of uh, people. People take the film for what it is. Do we know when that shift happened? Um, I think it was immediately after the premiere. Now, the earliest footage of Tommy saying that before a crowd that I have is from 2004 at the one-year anniversary from the release of The Room, where it was already popular amongst fans like Michael Rousselet and his friends and stuff like that. So he would rent small theaters. And, uh, and and sell tickets and you know give away T-shirts and stuff like that and uh, and there's a small clip in the documentary where he says you know he says keep in mind everything in this documentary was done on purpose everything was intentional and then the crowd sort of chuckles a little bit because even back then they knew that just impossible that this would all was all on purpose now according to you know the interviews that I have um, I think it was Scott Holmes that said that um, right after the premiere. So right after, like, the, you know, the, the, the first day that it ever screened, um, you know, when people were laughing and stuff like that, uh, he went to, to Greg and said, you know, why are people laughing at my movie and stuff like that? And then Greg told him, oh, it's because your comedic timing is really good. And that possibly, if, if you ask me, I think that probably sort of a light bulb came above his head, right? And then he just figured, like, oh, okay, let me just market it this way since people 
they laughed and they're obviously not going to take it seriously so instead of just getting discouraged and, and burying this project let me just remarket it and uh and, and see if people respond and, and use successful in doing so and he's now he and greg are getting paid for each appearance on college campuses and theater houses ever since all over the world yeah they've uh they, they've been all over the world together they tour and in so many different cities and it's uh it's wild like i i've traveled to uh like all over just uh while filming a uh, room full of spoons and uh and it's it's incredible everybody knows tommy it's it's just really wild um i guess i'm going through my notes and i ha- i guess i have to ask where is your respect rick <laughs> poor tommy he really he doesn't like me right now while i still do have a tremendous amount of respect for him we're not seeing eye to eye as far as the documentary is concerned um you know i i think like we're in talks right now and i think we're going to come to sort of an amicable resolution soon and uh you know but he's went online and done, done no made statements about uh him not supporting the documentary and shame on you videos and stuff like that he has this idea that you know that this movie is um is, is just completely disrespectful towards him and is bullying him and and all these things these terms that he uses which was of course never my intention i mean i think i'm a pretty respectful guy um, I can appreciate that if a documentary is being made about someone, that that person isn't going to agree with everything that's said. But a lot of that is is out of my control. Uh, you know, a lot of it is people's opinions, and um, and and the rest is, uh, you know, and the research that I've done is is all factual. So, you know, I don't know what his specific concerns are, but um, you know, I, I think we're going to come to a. Uh, you know, an amicable resolution uh, very soon. But has there been? Have you been contacted by any form of lawyers at all? I, I'm sorry, Matt. I don't really think I could talk about that. It was worth but, a shot. I mean, you can take that answer for what it's worth. Fair, you know? no, fair enough. I had to. Yeah. I had to ask. So sorry, man. No, no, no. It's okay. Um, I was to say you. I think one of the one of the scenes that you uh, in the film is, I believe, the largest crowd you saw this with an audience was in Copenhagen. Yes. Now, I wasn't there to witness oh. that. I did go to Copenhagen, and we did uh, you know, a screening of the room, and I did go back to screen a room full of spoons. But uh, it was um, the promoter, the Scandinavian promoter, uh, Elias, uh, Elias Elliott. Um, yeah, he was telling a story about how they uh, screened it in Roskilde, and I hope I pronounced that correctly. And um, they had to turn away 2,000 people. They sold 850 seats. And they had to turn away two thousand people, and it was just uh, just like the biggest screening of the room in, in Europe ever. Wow! And who created the video game? Uh, that's a gentleman named Tom Falp. He's the CEO of Newgrounds, and uh, they program a lot of video games for uh, for the web and for Xbox and, and stuff like that. And um, so, yeah, he's he's a really cool guy. He's um, actually in Philadelphia, and uh, so we drove down there and interviewed him. Really, really nice guy. He said it took them. I believe six months to make the game, and if you, uh, you know, playing playing the game is basically like watching a movie. It's every line, but then of course there's all this this other fun, creative stuff that's in it, and it's uh, it's a real blast. Are the love scenes in the video game? I believe they are. I don't know how graphic they are, oh, but wow. uh, but yes, I, I believe they are. I think everything that's in the room and more is in the game. <laughs> There you go, folks. Have it out. It's your will. Um, so I guess, how has it been promoting the film? How many festivals have you been to so far? Uh, we submitted to a whole lot of festivals. Of course, it's uh, it's, it's still new. We premiered in Spain at the Cutracon Festival in um, January, and that went really well. It was really, really well received. And then um, 
We have uh, a couple other festivals that are coming up that I'm not sure I can announce just yet, but okay. they will be announced uh, on our website, uh, roomfulofspoons.com, very soon, and we submit it to a lot, um, a lot of others. We did the premiere in my hometown uh, here in Ottawa, and uh, you know it was an almost sold-out event, and it was, uh, again, a great success, and we... Um, you know, I did a little bit of touring while I was in Europe after uh, after the uh, Spanish uh, premiere. Went to Copenhagen, and we went to um, to the UK and just did uh, just a few test screenings just to see how audience were responding to it and to see if there were some edits that we can make. And the, the response has been unanimous. Like people are really, really enjoying it, uh, which is, is it's validating for me because I really made this for the fans. You know, being a big fan of uh, of the room and and uh, and you know, and it has such a an important cult following that I wanted to make something that was worthy of its fan base, and uh, and so far people are really digging in. Has it been allowed to have be on a double bill with the room? Not yet, and that's something that I'm working on with Tommy right now, because I feel that it could be, uh, you know, that could be really successful. I think people are going to want to watch Room Full of Spoons more than once. It's, um, you know, I've been told it's hilarious, which is fun for a documentary because a lot of times documentaries is just you know, an overload of information, which is fun in itself, but some of the uh, the stories that people tell and stuff, people really crack up, especially in theaters. And, uh, and uh, you know, so I think that people could re- would really have fun with it, and I think it would play great with the room. So uh, it's, it's my hope that that's going to uh, eventually work out, that we can uh, double bill it with the room. Well, I think, I think Room Full of Spoons is the hearts of darkness of, of the room itself. So, uh, you know, you, you have a good company as far as the making behind. Um Thanks. You're welcome. Have you? Do you have another project lined up for once this uh, once this dies down, or are you just still in the in the world of uh, promoting the film? We are promoting the film right now, and we have uh, you know some tours coming up. So I'm going back to uh, to Europe in June, and then um, you know we're going to Australia in July and, and stuff like that. And of course, we're going to be touring the U.S. Uh, in May and June probably. But uh, we do. We are flirting with some ideas right now. Whether that's going to be another documentary or like a, a scripted film, we're not 100% sure on just yet. But uh, nothing worthy of announcing. But we do. We are, you know, sort of toying with some ideas right now. And uh, what what was your take on the book? And I know they're trying to make a film out of uh, the Disaster Artist. Uh, the book was fantastic. The book was is. It's it's really it's, it's the room bible. Like I was, um, I didn't really know what to expect because a lot of the stories I knew already and and stuff like that. But hearing it from Greg's perspective and and if you listen to the audio book, hearing Greg's impression of Tommy is just is absolutely fantastic. So I uh, I think the book is is genius. You know, as a fan of the room, I almost get a little emotional when I read it. You know, but. Um, and the James Franco project, I mean, I'm really hoping that it's going to be, um, th- that it's going to translate well onto film. I mean, the audiobook itself is, I think, 11 or 12 hours. So to try to condense all those stories and, and all those years into an hour and a half uh, film, or however long it's going to be, I, uh, I, I really hope that it, um, I, I hope it's going to be good. I really do. And I think James Franco's the right guy to play Tommy. I think he's going to do a fantastic job. He's a great actor. And, um, and then, yeah, I guess we'll see. I'm excited for it, though. Well, fans of the room, just I think once it, it, it's a very addictive film. Once you've experienced it, you want others to experience it. You want to know as much as you can about it. And uh, and I would say, Rick, congratulations on Roomful of Spoons as far as providing that for fans of the room. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that.
That's Rick Harper, the writer and director of the documentary Roomful of Spoons. You can go to roomfulofspoons.com or you can follow on Twitter at Roomful of Spoon on Twitter. And, of course, they have a Facebook account as well. So go check out roomfulofspoons.com. And, yes, since there is a documentary about the room, a blatant excuse for me to play my famous chat with Tommy Wiseau. Enjoy. Joining me on Film Sociology is auteur, because you are a man of many skills, Tommy Wiseau. How are you, Tommy? Hi, how you doing, Moss? You? Doing great. Um, now, this is going to be your second appearance, if I remember correctly, at IU for The Room. Uh, how was it the last time you were in town? Oh, we have a, such a groovy time that they decided to invite us again, and I'm thrilled. And first of all, I'd like to say thank you to all the fans there, and I hopefully we'll have a groovy time, and uh, everybody's... Um, invited. <laughs> well, we will be there as best we can. <laughs> sure. So, how did you get interested in cinema? Well, that was a long time ago, believe it or not. <laughs> are, you, are you okay? <laughs> I am okay. My phone is ringing right now. I okay. apologize. That's okay. I thought it was a submarine for just a minute. No, no problem. I'm, you have a great uh, sense of humor. I like that. Thank you. Uh, to respond to your question, uh, you know, I used to want to sing, believe it or not, and some people actually, um, I can sing, but never mind about that. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, film has always been, in, was in my heart, you know, was in the sense and always would be, you know, because image, you know, people remember, etc. I Through all these years, um, I studied psychology, and this relates to you know to how you can connect to people. It's it's a lot of stuff. We probably don't have the time, but just to briefly uh, to tell you that my first movie actually was uh, the robbery doesn't uh, pay. It's a it's a it's, a, it's a, just a short movie I did for class, and uh, I I can tell you one thing. I got that A minus. You know why is minus? Why is that? Because. <laughs> I use a black and white and colors, and um, a lot of people ask me why you use these colors. Like, why is not only one color? And I said, you know what? Uh, the reason for it is because of the, um, uh, you know, I want people provoke people. And uh, you see, the room is just, it's the same thing. If you really translate my vision a long time ago about movies, what I see now. And again, I have a great respect for. Uh, this is just a little off from uh, from your question, but for everyone who produced the movie, because you know it's, it's it is what it is. It's it's very difficult uh, art. What you you make a big effort, and it's. I always say you have to be detail oriented to accomplish something. And as you probably guys know, that some people already know, it's it's a lot misleading about the room, about production, etc. online, and hopefully uh, people are in 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 few days they will ask me direct questions if, if they will attend the screening. So move on, next question. Okay, well I would say, to, to jump on what you said, yeah, regardless of what people think about uh, whether something is good or something is bad, making a movie is, is really damn hard. And the it fact, is, it is. The fact that you, you know, not only wrote and directed and acted, especially in the case with The Room, I mean, it is a task to organize and get everything that, not only from a technical a- aspect of getting everything that you need, you know, but making sure everything is smooth on the set how how are you on the set when it comes to a director? what kind of atmosphere do you have i i love a set you know but if, if you're you know i always say the 
the set is my house, actually the theater. I mean, if you refer to the room, it's supposed to be a play. I don't know if you know that. I don't want to repeat myself because it will be boring. But just really very quickly background of the room. Supposed to be played first, and then I decided to, you know, write a script, etc., because of my hundred, uh, six hundred pages novel, which hopefully somebody want to publish right now. But we're working on it. It's a six hundred page novel. This is based on correct. Wow. And that was keep in mind again, uh, since I'm talking to you. Like I say, we don't have too much time, but very quickly. See, people don't realize this nothing happened by accident, you know, like people say, oh, this accident, that accident. Uh, we, uh, for example, I'm talking as the director right now, I can create a certain ambience and uh, I can anticipate something, but I have to plan. Without planning, you don't have it. And I don't care what you, if you, for example, uh, that's lead me to, again, to your first question about production. You know, if, I don't care if you do five minutes movie or a feature movie. Guess what? Our only of a story is, uh, for all of you guys to listen now, right now, that is the same thing. The difference is you spend more money or you, you make a, uh, you know, you involve more people, but you need the beginning, you have, you need the middle, you need the end. I rest my case. But, but the, uh, the room is based on the 600 novel, over actually 600. So people will be surprised. And I noticed, I don't know, Matthew, if you noticed in the past few years, people actually grasp what was creating. And I, I and again, I'm thrilled to say that I'm happy with the fans and great support. And, uh, you know, sometimes we do have a bad apple, but you know what? I I just accept whatever people, uh, you know, have comments about their own. And again, I, I don't always say you have to. Actually, my motto is that, that if, if a lot of, uh, if a lot of uh, people love each other, the world will be a better place to live. By this talking from the room, you see, the it doesn't matter that it doesn't. You don't have to write the uh, like the room, and I want to stress that because a lot of people think that oh yeah, you have no, you don't. You see, that's what the, that's the difference between me as a directless and actor, you as the audience as well, the listener that you have choice, and that's what the room is. And 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 I think maybe that's the reason. I didn't conclude a hundred percent, Matthew, but I'll tell you one thing that maybe that's the reason is that people are, we have great support right now with, with people because they do see my vision and directly, you know. Mm-hmm. Either they'll, you know, sometimes people say, oh, I don't like this. Well, that's fine. It's nothing wrong. Same with me, you know. If I, for example, see some movie, which are, don't even ask me for names. I may drop a couple of names. Maybe. Okay. Uh, but if I see movie, uh, a movie, um, it doesn't mean that I have to like all of it. I, I may... Uh, you know, like just a segment of it, etc. Move on, next question. Will, will, will Is the book published or will it be published? No, no. Uh, right now, currently, actually, I'm working with one publisher, very big guy, actually, one of the biggest publisher companies. I don't know what will happen. It's up to them, you know. Again, I'm not here to criticize. I'm not here to uh, to bashing anyone. That's not my motto, you know. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I was beat up, you know. People beat me up many times. But uh, but but uh, true fans of the room, like uh, like in your school, you know, I'm like I love you guys. Uh, let 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 me tell you this way, you know. 
We're ready, uh, uh, ready for pictures, and uh, we'll be we'll, we'll have a groovy time. Move on, next question. What, where? Yes, yeah, so where did the source for the, the the inspiration for the room begin? Hopefully, it's not autobiographical. Well, let me tell you, this is from life. You see, we we all have. I don't know. You have opportunity to to see several times the movie or not, but mm-hmm. it, the, the fact is that it's from life. Relationships, you know, drugs issues. Uh, just recently, um, I believe uh, on CNN, we I have an interview with Greg, and actually, I, I say very publicly, I would say right now too. You know, between twelve and two in America, you have number of crime committed is very high. You may laugh with my statement, but guess what? I studied this, mm-hmm. and and uh, this is the statistically speaking. Okay, now mostly people see the room in America midnight. So, so I rest my case. You may say, well, maybe yes, maybe not. But I say to you, yes, it does eliminate and directly crime. Besides this, as you probably know, and your young audience know about it, uh, that we do not have, and, and, and I'm very strong here about it, and I think this is message maybe for, I'm not a politician yet, but uh, this is message for for mayors of the cities, uh, uh, you know, across the country, you, you guys give us, you, give young people places to express themselves, parks, trees, play footballs, you know. We don't have these places anymore. I'm traveling, man, I'm trying from north to south, from south to east or whatever name it. It's the same issue, the same problem, you know, and, and it's not right, you know, because I think young person, even not, even older person, and we all have certain tendency to express yourself, express ourselves emotionally uh, through playing football or, 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 or just whatever you want to do, you know, and we don't have this kind of places, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why, you know, people are uh, sometimes doing drastic things and, uh, and, uh, um, that's the great area what what I think uh, people should realize about the room, and uh, I am very strongly about it. And um, I'm surprised the big media did not, did not, does not pick up this, you know, because it's true. This is the story. And uh, move on, next question. So no, it's all right. <laughs> I'm it's just cool. giving you a little speech here. <laughs> no, no, it's it's okay. Nobody wants to hear me talk. They want to hear you. No, no, I want you to talk too. Just jump in anytime. Well, I was saying, it's enough now. Well, say okay, we're, ten more minutes. All right, move on. Next question. Were you, were you jilted by by a woman like this in the film? Well, let me tell you, I've been in a relationship. I will not say I was not. Okay. Like I will tell you very honestly, two is better than three, but three is crowd. However, you can have three friends. Yes. And I will tell you one thing, that there's nothing wrong when Johnny in the, in, in the movie, uh, you know, say to Danny, it's okay to love somebody else. But at the same time, it's process of learning how far you can go as a person. Mm-hmm. How far you can go, do you have to actually do something physically are you just to say, look, I love you, man, or I love you uh, to a girl or a guy. It doesn't matter. You see, that's what the beauty of the relationship, that we understand and have respect and how tempting is. I've been in many situations, uh, I don't know you guys, but we've all been there. It's tempting 
to to be very close to someone, you know, or uh, you have certain opportunity, but but then you play, pay for it, you know, by uh, breaking relationships or a, uh, a relationship. Uh, it, it, I think I believe very strongly that we've all been there. If not, uh, I say many times that the room is a red flag. Wait a minute. Why should you do when you later on you will regret it? Mm-hmm. And I don't care how strong you are, how much money you have, that's irrelevant. You know, bottom line is, you know what? Feelings you cannot buy it, Matthew. And that's the irony in the room. Well, I say you have people, you have now hundreds and thousands of people loving you with these screenings. You talk about a, a place for kids to go. When you have these screenings on campus and in theaters, uh, you know, people have said that you single handedly. Uh, brought back the Midnight movie and the cult movie. Right. Well, not too much pressure, I hope. No, I I love Pavling, and I always will. The fans, that's priority <laughs> <laughs> for me, you know? So, so it's pressure, little pressure is there, but I like it. Now, I know right after The Room, you did the the documentary, you co-directed the documentary Homeless in America. Is that right? Correct, yes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Because I know a lot of people know The Room, but you you have done other things since. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the the Homeless in America is a totally different topic, as you probably know about it since you asked, is dealing with, with the homelessness in America. And again, you see, long story short, you cannot eliminate homelessness. And now in... in, in since you mentioned this topic, it is what it is. As you know, in America, because of the economy, actually I'm working on a new movie about related to economy, and it's related also to indirectly to homelessness. So again, this is the gray area, uh, what people don't realize. And again, you see, uh, some people say, oh, you know what, we can eliminate homelessness. Well, I have not for you, for you all, all your expert, you know, from politician to media. No, you cannot eliminate homelessness. If you look at a long time ago, let's say uh, 200, 300 years ago, not this country, but other countries, you already have a homeless and directly. But it was not recognized the way we recognize. But the good news is that if we learn about it, we will not have in America, which is, you know what, Matthew, it's really hurt my feelings that I see this, people actually, you know, lay down on the street in America, underneath the bridges. You know, it's sad. It is very eerie situation. But the good news is that we have a lot of dedicated people. And I wish, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't wish, but I probably do another documentary. Like, I want to expose all the people actually doing good things for homelessness, People who never been recognized for their hard, hard work, without you know, to to help these people because it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And again, you see, I'm across, across America. I see this. You know, I just come back from Houston. The same thing. You know, who, well, you know, people say, "Oh, we don't have a homeless." Well, I'm sorry, you do have. You know. But the good news, again, is that we can eliminate, we can help these people. And that's what, what I come from, you know. Yeah, homeless was, I, uh, you know, uh, did this movie just to find out the truth, not because somebody told me. And what I discovered was pretty eerie, if you ask me. But the good news is we, we can improve with optimism 
and, and good spirit in America. Move on. Next question. <laughs> what is uh, what's the status on the house that drips blood on Alex? Well, first of all, I was hired as a, an actor. Let me stress right. that as well as well as only as an actor. Okay, I did not direct. They direct. That was Comedy Central. They aired it on TV and they put it online. And, uh, uh, you know, they're supposed to do second episode, I don't know, was pre-excited project, was paid job, of course. Yes. And, uh, you know, it was good experience. They could do better, but, you see, it's not me to judge. You know, some mm-hmm. people like it, some people don't. Well, I think what's been great is that you've been able to go from, you know, you did a, a and I mean this as a compliment. The no problem. T- I think the term melodrama gets a bad connotation. And uh, so to go from a, a melodrama to documentary to horror, I mean, and just even, even you know, you're just acting in that, you're able to go from one genre to another. Well, I think that's compliment. If you ask me, you don't have to apologize. But, but you see... I don't call, and again, this is your statement, melodrama. You may argue that The Room partially is melodrama based on the talking. Uh, if you analyze Johnny's character, mm-hmm. I agree. You got me on that one. But at the same time, the reason we call black comedy, again, people don't realize black comedy leading towards melodrama. Right. Melodrama, as you probably know, define melodrama is based it's more than normal. Mm-hmm. So, so, so you much more dramatic approach. But uh, I don't have a story again. I will say very openly that the I have some friends that they are really melodramatic. If you ask me, we, we all do, Tommy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And this is based on on my research. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and um, I will uh, say, uh, you know, that hopefully we have more discussion like that. About with the fans as well, with you guys, with media, because Matthew, you're part of the media one way or the other. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, actually, I'd like to have a program, you know, if you guys can organize it while there, we can have big discussion, you know. So it's up to you guys. But anyway, move on. Next what, what, I say, you talk about dark comedies, black comedies. What, what, were, what are some of your favorites? What do you mean? As far as are there, are there other dark comedies like Dr. Strangelove or Harold and Maw that inspired you? Well, you see, again, I inspire myself, but however, uh, yeah, good point. I, I like, for example, uh, if you look at not so much comedy or, you know, to me, comedy, let's put it this way, uh, uh, comedy, drama, melodrama, black comedy, whatever you define, I define as the colors. Colors means the more colors you have in within the, your project, in this case, the room or other movies, either include the homeless in America, as you mentioned, uh, you will not just to provoke people, but it will be interesting to, 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 to see your project or movie, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, some people say, oh, this is short, this is long, whatever. But the colors for me is very important. Now, to respond to your question, uh, I influence myself. However, I'm fan of, for example, uh, Cleopatra uh, with Elizabeth Taylor. Yes. Uh, because, again, this is the manipulation of woman aspect in life if you compare it to Juliet in the room. Now, Orson Welles, for example, uh, Citizen Kane, Giants with James Dean and others. Why these people we watching 
by my research, a lot of people watching from time to time, what is the reason? What is behind? Or as my case, the room we can say the same thing. Where's behind? Is it that bad because it's good, or is it good? Is it bad? Well, as you know, Matthew, uh, bad is expression. Also, it's a good mm-hmm. in, in slang in America, as you know. Yes. If you have two two guys walking and they are close friends, they will not say, "Oh, this is great movie." They say, "Oh, this is so bad. You have to see it." And again, people, I don't understand, but. Uh, you know, some of the stuff, you know, I'm just laughing because it's laughable, to be honest with you. But, uh, but, but the bottom line is people enjoy this. And that's the bottom line. And, and we have a really great discussion like we have right now. So we have 10 more minutes. Move on. Next question. Okay. I'll say besides the documentary about the economy, are, is there any scripts or that you work, feature films that you have planned? Yes, absolutely. We, I, I'm working on vampire movie as well as uh, Alex, uh, Alex Blood, uh, Vampire the Alex, as well. There will be continuous what we did with Comedy Central, but slightly different angle, as well as I'm working currently, I'm shooting uh, The Neighbors. We are casting currently, actually today, believe it or not. <laughs> So, so, so I'm working very hard to, to entertain people. Uh, hopefully people have a groovy time. I'm saying, um, it, it, where's the fi- as far as uh, how far is, what do you think will happen next? Which one do you think will come, or is it you know, whatever comes to you first? Well, the neighbors actually be available within probably two months. We're doing five episodes. And uh, the economy water released before June, a vampire I'm working. But at the same time, I don't know if you're aware, but we'll be releasing Blu-ray uh, of the room. And that'll be before Christmas. As well as I'm working also on the 3Ds movie as well, uh, 3D uh, of the room. Really? Yes, absolutely. And, and I'm doing the testing almost as we speak, you know. Mm-hmm. So so we, we did some of it because we are – I don't know if you want to hear more about it, but just uh, one sentence about it. Uh, we are scanning from 35 millimeter print. Right. I'm, I'm referring I'm referring to 3D of the room. Mm-hmm. The room with in 3D. So the the love we're gonna get even closer okay. to the love scenes. Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm listening. So we're gonna get even closer to you guys during the love scenes. Um, I, I I think so. <laughs> as as a director, what do you uh, what's what's some of the things that you do to help out actors? I know you had a fairly young cast on the room, but how do you approach actors from a directing standpoint? And how do you direct yourself? Well, uh, and directing is very tough. You see, so so again, I have I have a system of if you refer to the the room, I I had a system, and now I have a system as well. Um, that you know, I'm doing ratio one to four, and basically I'm, I review. I, I I believe in rehearsal process. In in the room we have like uh, you know six months rehearsal before we shot the room. But our idea of the story is, but I did change the actors several times as well. The crew was changed four times. So so a lot of actors there's only one two person who actually been with me for a long time. What you see on the big screen. Uh, but uh, to respond to your question, it's, it's very, it, I'm very detail-oriented person, if I may say that. 
Uh, yes, of course I can say that. <laughs> you just did. <laughs> but the, um, but at the same time, not self-centered. Let me say that too. Uh, so, it, you know, my system is pretty straightforward. With I can share with you if you want to hear. Please. Uh, well, you record yourself and you watch yourself, and then you try to adjust base, uh, base what you see. Uh, and I believe in adjustment. You see, at the same time, but you have to. One of the great areas you have to eliminate your subjective approach. So you go based as a, I am as a director. I say, what is what is the character saying? What he or she is doing? What's the situation? So it's a lot of obstacle come to your brain, and and you have to divide it. You cannot combine together because then you get lost. That's my point. Mm-hmm. And then when you see yourself, then you record again and say, okay, I like this scene. No, 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 I have to improve that, okay? And uh, when you are good actors, by the way, I never say uh, on the records that actors are good or bad. What I'm saying, sometimes they don't give us certain, um, uh, you know, they're not sharing this. They're not giving enough. What I mean by that, they, they're missing the colors, because any actors could be very, the best of the best. And that's why the reference to actors, uh, you know, some people sometimes ask me, say, can you cast this particular person because he or she makes $20 million? I say, absolutely not. Because I already know that, the, that, that, that they cannot offer what I think I'm looking for. So, so for all of you, for all your listeners, it's not... You have to be popular, or but what you acting is sharing. That's basically my definition of good acting, if I can say good acting. But I try not to uh, divide it good and bad as an actor because I'm not a critic. I'm just I'm just going by provocation. My job as a director to provoke people positive ways if I can. So if I do that, I I do I do a good job as far as in my hands in my eyes. Uh, now, the, again, about the system, so that's basically when I shot the room, I recorded this VHS tape. And the, uh, by the way, I still writing the book about it, the difference between the HD and 35, because we use it both cameras. I know it's laughable a little bit, but you know what? The way I see it this way, the simplicity is virtue of success. What I mean by that is very interesting. Even today, after all these years, I still cannot find there's something where people say, okay, this is the HD, this is 35. This is the difference. That's the money what you spend on 35. That's what you spend on HD. I still don't have that. And this is, this is the thing, what I said on DVD very openly, that Hollywood was, was confused. And I was confused myself. And people real, literally say, oh, he didn't know what he was doing. Again, guys, some of you guys listening to this, you are correct. Please ask the question. I'd be glad to explain you uh, what I meant by that. Okay, but uh, today what we do, like we'll be doing, for example, the neighbors. Uh, if I am because I'm playing one of a Charlie character, I'll be recording myself uh, and just watch it and just analyze. Okay, that's what I want. That's not what I I don't want. But I have also assistant as well, so I work with two or three assistants. 
in the room I had like four different assistants. So I said, you guys watch this, you give me feedback, you know what I'm saying? So, so it is very hard work if you refer to directing, acting as well. It's, it's not an easy job, but it's very, I love it, you know, I, I like it. I say, tell a little bit, for those who don't know what The Neighbors is, why don't you clear, uh, refresh them? Yeah, uh, let me clarify. The Neighbors, it's, uh, it's, it's a sitcom, it's TV pilot. It's, again, you see, I like variety. So we go from homeless to, to the room, from, from vampire to The Neighbors. <laughs> Matthew, you are good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I know how we the sound, how they will listen to your audiences. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, The Neighbors is dealing with, again, relationship. It's a character, Charlie. You can go to the room. It's uh, uh, TheNeighborsSitcom.com, and you see the synopsis as well the characters that we are currently working on uh, right now as we speak. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I so say you mentioned earlier about singing. Any any plans maybe doing a musical somewhere down the line? Actually, you know what? Uh, we actually working on the um, uh, remix of their words from the lyrics uh, from the script, and you probably hear something uh, probably because we're working currently. Last year we did some stuff that we never published. So be so be soon. Soon, soon you can hear something. I say, like you said, from uh, from stage to movies to documentaries to television, you uh, you're never bored. No, no, I like variety. If if you ask me, so we have two more questions. I'm sorry, I have to go. Oh no, no, that's okay. I would say, has there been any movies out recently that you've been able to watch and enjoy recently? Yes, but I will not tell you because then people are blogging about it. But I will tell you one thing. I give you one clue. All right. See, I make a laugh on you. Okay. Uh, uh, that's great. Uh, uh, I tell you one. One is dealing with uh, started in, a, in S, like a social. I am not telling you the name. Oh, okay. All right. Well, all right. Boy, you keep us hanging. <laughs> it was very easy to find out. Come on, you know about it. Yes, yes. I say how and how was it working with Tim and Eric? That was pretty good. Yeah, they're very nice people to work and very given. But uh, sometimes we're not on the same page. But I've been working with them for four days, four times. Um, four days, I want to say no, four <laughs> times. Let's see, one, two, three, four times. Yes. And uh, they are very given person and people. You know, they they're very creative. Uh, that's what the entertainment is about, creation. Tommy, thank you so, so much for your time. Um, I can't wait to see you in Bloomington on Tuesday. I'll get in touch with John, and hopefully we can meet up before or afterwards. Yeah, no problem. And also, if you need any, any uh, images, whatever, let us know, and uh, thank you. Thank you, Tommy. Take care. problem. Bye. Thanks. All right, bye-bye. Thanks always to Tommy Wiseau for his contribution to public radio. Big thanks to Rick Harper, the writer and director of the documentary Room Full of Spoons. One film opening of note, the drama Demolition. Really good performances by Jake Gyllenhaal and Naomi Watts, as well as Chris Cooper. A little heavy-handed when it comes to its symbolism. Okay, a lot heavy-handed when it comes to its symbolism. Directed by Jean-Marc Valley, who, of course, gave us uh, Dallas Buyers Club and Wild. Worth checking out if you can handle the uh, the symbolism and its heavy heavy-handedness. Ladies and gentlemen, words to live by. Silent breed is people! Zardoz has spoken. Go see a good movie. You deserve it. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. Good afternoon, California. Good afternoon, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, Michigan.